0: their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. It would be great to think that life could go by without crisis striking, but the reality is, unfortunately, that it can, and, as we know, it often does. When things do go wrong for a company, the after-effects can often destroy that company's reputation and customers may be quick to turn away. My guest today is Bill Coletti. He's a reputation management and crisis communications expert who founded Kith, a firm that works closely with businesses to help advise them how to avoid potentially devastating crises but also helps them recover should they be hit by dark times. A business is nothing without its reputation and Bill's here today to tell us about how he's built his own very successful reputation and how exactly he helps to preserve others. Bill Coletti, a reputation that precedes him and I'm absolutely delighted and honoured to have you as our guest today on the Sandro Forte podcast.
1: Well, Sandra, thank you very much for that. The feeling's mutual. You've built a, a great reputation yourself, both as a business leader as well as a speaker and podcast host. So I'm
0: excited about the conversation. Founder members of the uh, Mutual Appreciation Society. I appreciate it. So here, Bill, here. Uh, we've got 30 minutes and they fly by because you're such an interesting guy. And I've had a chance to read your book, which is amazing, by the way. We'll talk about that in a, in a, in a bit. First of all, for those who may not know much about you, tell us if you would about your background and unsurprisingly what led you to the world of crisis management
1: so our firm and and what I do is I we help people talk about difficult things to the public. And so for about 25 years now, um, I've been in some form of either running political campaigns in the U.S. or globally, and then in the past 10 or so, working in corporate communications and issues management. And so in that context, we work with major corporations that find themselves at the intersection of public expectation and and their actions. And we need to tell a story. We need to sort of fix that. Recently, we've been working on how can we grow reputation in a preventative way so that when those those critical moments happen, organizations are more prepared. So in its summary, we we are a crisis communications firm where we help people respond, but we also help people plan and prepare um, for for the inevitability of these sort of missed expectations Mm -hmm. in the public.
0: You said two things, Bill, which I've picked up on straight away. I'm going to to touch on those, if I may. First of all, to paraphrase, you you talk to people about difficult things, I think is what you said. Now, there's a a parallel with, with life in general, because we all find it difficult to deal with stuff, with things, with challenges and crises in this particular case. How do you encourage people, because I think there's a learning point for many of us, whether we are a large organisation or a one-person band or whether we are simply just trying to get by in life, how how do you encourage people to deal with things that they may feel very uncomfortable about dealing with?
1: Terrific question. You know, I mean, there's an amazing book called called um, Crucial Conversation, Critical Conversations um, that sort of deals with this on the one on one level. You know, for me, in a in a consulting context with corporations is be crystal clear and true to what you stand for. And so if you're an industrial company and you've had a facility blow up or you've been uh, involved with a data breach, the truth will set you free. And Mm -hmm. just be true to your core values, understand what you stand for as an organization, and then explain it. Different risks have different types of responses, and that's what we work with organizations. But fundamentally, it's just be authentic, be true. And if you grew up in a primarily generally healthy environment and you got a college education and you've had some, some life experiences, just trust your gut. Trust your instincts on how would the golden rule, how would we take this information if it was given to us by somebody else? So just it's about authenticity and just clarity. We try to make communications too complicated uh, very often. So simple clarity is the best way.
0: If the podcast ended now, Bill, I think we've already got enough to take away to last us a lifetime. So thank you for for a very succinct but very powerful answer. And I'm reminded when you when you said, "And the truth shall set you free." I'm reminded of that scene in Liar Liar, where the great Jim Carrey uh, trots that one out. If you've not seen the scene, you've got to Absolutely. you've got to watch it. The other thing that uh, Bill that you mentioned um, at the at the top of this was the word prevention, and I guess that links in quite nicely with what you've just said. So. You know, we've heard the words prevention is better than cure. In your experience, you know, what are the differences between taking positive action uh, to prevent a crisis and dealing with it after the event?
1: Well, first of all, is the financial implications of it. So there's a study that the UN did, and it was mostly about natural disasters, large scale crises. But the study that they did was that they found for every dollar spent on prevention saved seven dollars that they had to spend on response. So if you scale that to enterprise level, I mean, that's a huge amount of money. So on, on, on spend $100,000, that's going to save you $700,000 um, to think about prevention. And so that's one way to look at it. For me, it's I, I draw it in the parallel of diet and exercise. And so most people find me in some form of crisis. Either they are currently in a crisis, they know one is getting ready to happen, or they've seen one and observed one in their peer set a competitor or someone else in their marketplace. That's similar to us going to the doctor, the prevent preventative, going to the doctor or cardiologist and saying, you know, you could probably stand to lose a little bit of weight and get your resting heart rate down, et cetera, et cetera. And that's there. If we just tried to diet our way to fitness, that wouldn't work. If we just tried to exercise our way to fitness, that wouldn't work. And so when we talk about About prevention we talk about it in the context of we need to transform organizations it's the same way in that personal example of diet and exercise someone needs to transform if they find themselves in some semblance of crisis and we believe that transformation what the end of that looks like is what we call reputational resilience and the way you get there in in a in a crisis context and what we do is two ways one Be ready with crisis readiness, basic building blocks of crisis readiness, holding statements, media training, just the basic elements of how to do better in a crisis. The magic is this notion of risk awareness, of really understanding what are the risks, what are the things that can hurt us, what are the things that can kill us, and what are the things that we should blow off. Mm. And so we just need to understand that. So diet and exercise – crisis readiness, risk awareness that ultimately leads to a transformed state of reputation resilience.
0: I've used the expression in the past, and people will be fed up of hearing this. Discipline and regret. You know, both of the both of those things are painful. But if you don't do the first one, you're always going to get the second one. So, Bill, you, um, you know, the enterprise level that you talk of. Uh, you know, some of the large companies. American Express is one good example. But you work with a lot of high net worth individuals. So, regardless of the organisation or the individual you're speaking to, if you don't mind and and mindful of uh, confidentiality, what are the what are typically the kinds of uh, things the, the types of crises that you have been dealing with uh, in your business to date
1: yeah so it's it's a probably a 70 30 mix so 70% is corporate 30% are kind of individuals that find themselves in these sort of challenges that are there And that 70%, as I said, are corporate, and it could be a wide range of things. It could be a merger and acquisition that's gone bad and we need to manage our reputation. It could be a data breach uh, where an organization has either been hacked or lost publicly identifiable information or personal information that's there, malfeasance by the, the C-suite. And then a real big growing area for us, unfortunately, is all aspects of the Me Too moment, movement where men and sometimes women are imposing their will of leadership on people in a negative way. And it creates a, a tension in the workplace and boards of directors are having to struggle with that. So that's a basket that's there. There's the off- kind of active shooter where there's someone on your campus or at your facility a bad hire and somebody comes with a gun and there's violence. Um, but that's actually kind of shrinking, frankly. But if that's what I mean from a in a corporate context, in the personal context, it's, a wide range of things. Um, You may be familiar with this situation related to some high profile um, parents that tried to get their kids into colleges and they faked resumes and they faked test scores and they did a bunch of things like that. And so these were successful business people that were going about their business and all of a sudden they show up in the newspaper or a woman that was running a very successful um, high end um, hair studio, uh, hair salon, and was called out as being a racist because of some of the training that she did or some of the standards that she had set. Um, or a young man who was on a college campus that said some things that were inappropriate, caught on social media and, and just social, um, you know, became a very viral moment. And this, this young man's life was really implicated by that. So it's a, it's a range of things that we do. Our best skill set as I mentioned earlier, is we help people talk about difficult things. Sometimes apologizing is difficult. Sometimes admitting the fault is difficult. But we help them do that. And then we help them figure out a path to recovery to sort of reboot their reputation.
0: And on the subject of recovery, then, you know, typically what sort of things you're doing, clearly you have close relationships with the media, um, you know, the TV, all the all the outlets that might have this information find its way into the wrong hands I mean typically therefore how are you dealing with uh, I mean prevention is one thing but in terms of the crisis should it happen how are you dealing with those things typically Bill? So it depends
1: on the situation. We talk about crises in kind of three different contexts. And so I'll, I'll brush over that and then get specifically to your answer is we think there's three types of three types of issues and risks that are out there. Strategic things you meant to do that the public misunderstands preventable, things you should simply have a zero tolerance for. So metal shavings in ground beef should be zero tolerance, and that's a preventable risk. And then external are things outside of your control uh, that's there. And so depending on each one of those, that the starting place is your first public statement. What do you say? So a strategic risk we meant to close this plant, or we meant to fire this person, or we meant to make this strategic decision. The immediate answer is not to apologize, because there's nothing to apologize for what you're what you may want to apologize for is that the misunderstanding with the public. Mm -hmm. But it is not the fact that you made this decision, because I hopefully, you've sat around a table, made a smart business decision. And so the first tactical thing that we do is get a statement out that sort of sets the stage that is nimble enough, because these are dynamic situations that are nimble enough to be able to move forward. Second most important thing is get and identify and then get to the critical stakeholders that matter most. People often over-index For the media and over index for broadcasting, but narrow casting to your employees, to your family, to your um, core constituencies, your brand ambassadors, whatever the case may be. Get to the people that really matter, that are really paying attention. That's who you need to focus on. So those two things sort of tactically, a message, we have to say something to fill in the vacuum of speed. To identify who do we really, really need to talk to and who do we need to shore up because they will have greater impact on our reputation over the long term than thinking about the general public, the mass public that will come over time. But it will be reinforced by those stakeholders, those core, the center of the bullseye, the people that really matter to you.
0: Broadcasting and narrowcasting. I've not heard that before. That's that's a great takeaway for me. So um, how bad is bad then, Bill, in, in all of your experience? You know, how bad has it gotten for, you know, a company, an individual just to try and put things into perspective? Again, I'm not asking you for detail, but, you know, are we talking about businesses being wiped out, you know, um, profits falling through the floor? Is, is it really that bad or are we talking about little glitches along the way? I just want to try and get some perspective here.
1: I mean, I think we could talk about both. Um, I think we if we are together two years from now, we might look back at Boeing and the challenges that they're having with the 737 um, Max uh, and some other challenges that Boeing is having um, right now. That could be um, the going away of that institution. I don't think that's going to happen because they've got other business lines that are doing quite well with defense industry and, and things like that. But. A slip up of a manufacturing problem with that airplane and cause significant deaths and two high profile accidents, it could be the future of the organization. Mm. Often people miscast a business challenge as a crisis, and it's not. You just need to respond to the business challenge, work the problem, communicate, talk to your key stakeholders, and then we'll move on. Somewhere in the middle, are these accidents? So that's so that's this existential threat, is where we have a question of whether Boeing is going to exist. We've got an organization that lost some data, perhaps uh, on on one extreme, and then we've got these issues in the middle, and the impact is what I talk about: your license to operate. So let's say you are a industrial facility, or you're a manufacturing company, and you have metal shavings in your ground beef, or one of your facilities leaks a gas or leaks a chemical or something along those lines. The license, your license to operate, meaning you want to go open a new facility in another country, a new facility in another state here in the United States, or expand your business. That's your license to operate. Reputational challenges not addressed impact your license to operate. So if Starbucks were to decide to open a store in your neighborhood or down the block, they typically don't get much flack from the local government, local regulators, and things like that. Other companies get a lot more flack because of their reputation. I believe Starbucks has a very strong reputation. Walmart, for example, here in the United States, gets gets boxed up because of their reputation and the perceptions that people have around it. So the greater risk is – if you manage your stakeholders with that narrow casting that I talk about, the the greater risk is the tattoo that this puts on you long term. And you've got to make sure that you manage that because you want to maintain every enterprise and every human wants to continue growing, wants to continue expanding. And that license to operate is what you're trying to trying to make sure that you maintain.
0: Very, very brilliantly put, if I may say, um. Now, I, I'm going to ask you this because I speak as a, as a Gen X. I have no clue about how the internet works and the implications thereof. Uh, I, I struggle with it every day. One thing I do know about it is that information finds its way to places I don't really want them to, to, to reach. So, there's there's got to, therefore, by definition, Bill, be this kind of ripple effect where it's not just a question of problem, solution, problem, solution. We're talking problem part solution and then there's this ripple effect where through social media typically it finds its way way beyond where you might otherwise want it to go. How do you therefore stop, if it's possible, that ripple effect? So the aftermath, the the after effects of dealing with today's crisis because there's something probably that follows tomorrow, next month, next year and so on.
1: Yeah. So I'm a sailor. Um, I, I love sailing. I race sailboats and then I spend a lot of time, um, you know, cruising, um, like kind of anywhere that I can. And there's an adage in sailing that there's three things that are most important. Keep the boat upright, keep water out of the boat and keep everybody on the boat. (laughs) Those are kind of the three core things that really matter. I can't fight a wave or weather. I can't beat mother nature. There's nothing. I don't know the exact verb that you use, but stop, I think is what I heard you say. I can't stop that. But I have those three things that are really important. You know, keep the boat upright, keep water out of the boat and keep everybody on the boat. It's the same as social. I can't stop it. There's nothing I can do to stop, quote unquote, that wave. I can try to change the conversation. I can try to put my perspective into social. I can try to engineer other voices to come to my defense. But I, you are, while not helpless, because on a sailboat, there are things you can do to defend against a big wave that's coming or weather that's coming your way. There are things that you can position the boat so that you take it more gracefully. That's the same thing that you can do in social media when these situa- situations happen. The point is, it's a it is a reality that this wave is coming. You need to position your boat, position yourself as well as you can get your messages into the vacuum, recognize that you can blow off a bunch because there are thoughtful and smart people like you that are not hanging on every tweet that someone says. So thinking about it in that context, that this is a natural phenomena. This is a wave. This is a wind. This is a weather system. And we need to manage it accordingly because I can't stop any one of those three things, wind, weather, and waves. I can't stop them, but I can position myself so that the impact is less. And that's what we work with our clients on. And there's a lot of specific things that we do, but that's the frame of reference we share with our clients to sort of think about these topics.
0: And the, and the boat analogy is an excellent one. Um, the You know, I I think anybody runs a business, and you run Kith, and it's very successful. I'm sure you don't do it for the love of it, so there's clearly a commercial aspect to what you do. But I think there's also got to be, knowing you, as I do from what I've read, there is a personal satisfaction in what you do. So, if you don't mind, Bill, would you share with us what you take personally from a job that must inevitably help people get out of situations that could potentially destroy them?
1: That's that's a beautiful question, thanks for that. Um, I've been afforded a set of skills that lets me look around corners, find clarity in the fog, and if I can share that with people, because I've I've chosen a career that puts me into people's worst days or their expectation of their worst day every day. And most business leaders are going to go through these things we're talking about Once or twice or depending upon your industry, maybe a little bit more often, I've got these skill sets based on experience and expertise and and the knowledge that I try to acquire. So I get a ton of satisfaction out of helping everybody settle down. Helping everybody take that first step and move forward, I get a ton of satisfaction of bringing my team along with me. We've got a good, strong team here at Kith that I'm really proud of. To bring them along so that they can bring that um, same level of thinking. I, one of the skill sets I bring is just a calmness, a calmness in the situation. Is that it's not as bad as you think it is. Let's let's take our baby steps. Every you know, every step, every journey begins with the first step. And so I take a ton of personal satisfaction. I take it from corporations, but but these individuals, these, these people that may or may not have done something really, really bad, but they certainly didn't expect to be on the front page of the New York Times um, or the Financial Times or on the front page of any major newspaper, I feel for them. I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't ignore the fact that they might have done something really wrong. But I feel for them as a human and that their life and their companies and their uh, families are being significantly disrupted. So I do bring a lot of personal uh, into this. But I get the most that I get out of this is the experience that I've had and I now have a willingness and a desire to share it because these are people's worst days. And if I can help them through their worst day or their worst season in their life, I feel really, really good about Mm. that.
0: I, I've been saving this next question for a guest that was qualified enough to answer it, and I think you are the man, Bill. So I'm going to ask you this question. You you enter a situation, you may be dealing with a high net worth individual who's facing some particular challenges. They clearly enter the, the room metaphorically with uh, a series or set of expectations at that moment in time based on all of your experience you have a different set of expectations and the reason I'm asking you a question is that this doesn't just relate to what you do but it relates to people in their everyday life situations and business situations and I'm keen to know your view on this how do you align one's expectations with your own you know is there a compromise is it about helping to coach them towards your skill set, your understanding of what the situation is more likely to be. I'm just very keen to know with all of your experience, how do you get somebody who has a view of the situation? uh, And you make, you mentioned calmness, but a view of the situation, which probably isn't very calm, and get them to the point you need to get them in order to get or achieve maximum uh, benefit from the relationship.
1: Great question. So for me, there's, there are a few non-negotiables. There are things that are just absolutely, um, we're never going to violate. And if we're not aligned on that, then they probably need to find another consultant. And as I've done this for some time now, I'm okay walking away, uh, Mm -hmm. if they don't do that. And some of those non-negotiables are, we have to tell the truth. There, there is no lying. Now, now we can tell a version and everybody talks about spin. We can tell a version of that truth and we don't, need to, you know, be overly cathartic and share every aspect of truth in all of its depth, but there needs to be a a desire for truth. There also needs to be a understanding that even though we don't want to be in it, we're in it and there's no way to get out of it as opposed to walking through it. We've got, we're in the jungle and the only way to get out is to just get through, get to the other side of the jungle that's there. Beyond that, you know, I'm, 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 I want to be empathetic. I understand that this is the worst days that people have had. I understand that where they are. But if we can get alignment that we're not going to lie, we're not going to make up facts. And two, you got to be with me in the fight. You got to recognize that this is where we are. We just got called by a client. In fact, earlier this week, industrial accident. Um, they're a bit player. They're not the primary you know, the the primary um, participant, but so they're on the side. We walked them through kind of our approach and how we do things. Legal team loved it. But the CEO, the leader of the company said, man, I just don't want to take press calls. I don't want the media to call me anymore. And I just want you to make this go away. So he didn't align with me that we're in this fight, whether we like it or not. Something broke, something blew up. The media is paying attention. We can't just put our head in the sand. So if we don't have alignment on those two things, it's really easy for me to walk away. We've had success, so I don't we don't it's not like we're I mean we need every client to make payroll. We've had some we've found that success. So I, I want to make sure that specifically answers your question, but there are non-negotiables for me and then there are things that we can talk about and compromise. And usually I'm right based on perspective and experience. Mm-hmm. It just takes a while for everybody to get there. And I'm OK being patient to let everybody sort of come to the realization as we go through this journey.
0: Uh, and I think you did answer it brilliantly well, because what I got in my mind was the three words integrity of of proposition, I guess. And uh, what you're saying to me is, although you're successful and you can afford to walk away, it sounds to me as if that theme runs through your business, regardless of whether you would walk away or whether you wouldn't. So it's a set of rules, I guess, is what is what I heard. And, and that's why you, you, you did the job fantastically well. I cannot let this podcast go uh, without asking you about your best-selling book, which I've read, Albeit very quickly, because uh, I only got it last week. But it's called Critical Moments: The New Mindset of Reputation Management. Tell us about the book. When did you write it? Uh, it's it's clearly doing pretty well. It Wouldn't be a best-selling book if it wasn't. Um, tell us about the book, Bill, because I'd like to know a little bit more about that.
1: Great. So I wrote it 2016, 2017 um, is when I wrote it, um, and it all came from a conversation with an amazing female CEO. Um, she and I had just gone through a crisis situation together and, and we, we managed it. It was about a 10-day episode of, you know, front page of the newspapers and whatnot, but we got through it. Um, she did an amazing job leading the organization. And the quote back to me was, you know, well, that sucked. Let's never do that again. And I go, <laughs> OK, <laughs> I said, agreed. And then she challenged me about this context of I get it. We just responded in real time to a crisis. But tell me about reputation management. What do you mean about reputation management? And so I I explained to her in very cumbersome and imprecise consulting language with a bunch of jargon and BS in hindsight. (laughs) And she said, I don't know what you mean. Do you mean like the four A's of marketing or or, excuse me, the four P's of marketing, price, product, place, promotion. She had a mindset based on what something that she had been exposed to about these four P's of marketing. And it's a concept from the 60s. And and it really (laughs) sort of set the foundation for the modern marketing mix. And I said, no, no. But there's something there that I can work with. Every discipline in major corporations has a management model, whether it's janitorial services, legal services, manufacturing, operations, or how you hire—you know, how you hire people in the HR function. There is a process, and that's what makes great organizations great. Is there's a process and there's a management structure. Reputation has never had that management structure, and in the 1960s. Marketing, sales and marketing, never really had that structure until the four P's, four P's came online by a guy named Borden, and when he innovated that concept, and it transformed the way organizations, staff and structure marketing. I created in the book, Critical Moments, the four A's of reputation management so that leaders can actually assign responsibility, the vice president of this or the vice president of that, and assign budget. To it, and so when you think about every organis- every discipline within an organization, there is a management model. I offered in the book the first time that the new mindset is what I talk about is a new framework, a new way to think about, and a new way for organizations to structure an actual reputation management um, organization.
0: How do we find out more about Bill Coletti? Then, Bill.
1: So uh, kith.co is our corporate website. You can find out uh, more about me on LinkedIn, just Bill Coletti, C-O-L-E-T-T-I on LinkedIn. Um, All my social handles are B-C-O-L-E-T-T-I to get a hold of me. And that's both most active on LinkedIn, real active on Twitter. um, And then our corporate website, we do a we do a blog that's there. Email addresses are easy to find on the website.
0: Brilliant. And the book, of course, we've heard all about. Now, I'm going to ask you one final question, if I may, Bill. And the question we normally ask our guests is, if you were speaking to a son or daughter, and they were to say, Dad, you know, give me a, a, a simple pointer based on all of your life's experience and business experience, what one piece of advice would you give me to help me on my way in life? I'm going to reframe the question today, Bill, just because of what I've heard, um, I think allows me to frame it in a different way, because I think we're going to get maximum value from the answer. And the question is, with regards to you personally, what have you learnt on that amazing journey that you see as being the key factors to success?
1: Um, well, the first question was a lot easier. The, re- the reframe is a little bit more of a challenge. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I was, um you know, if, you know I, if I was saying to you, look, you know, um, based on all of life's experience, I, I kind of yeah. want to make a success of my life and my business. You know, what key, what key points would you perhaps, uh, you know, if you came up yeah. with a couple of two or three ideas, what, what would they be for you?
1: Yeah, well, in a in a, in a crisis and reputation context and, and in any human context um, is is that that person sitting around the table or that leadership team sitting across the table for me is experiencing the worst thing that is probably going to happen to them in the course of their career. And every hope and dream and academic credential that they have, that's there. So the, really the best thing for me that I've done is to be a good listener um, and to listen and hear and understand and and, and most importantly, get it, That People are scared and need someone to help them make good decisions early on in my career. I really was a far more less self-aware and a lot more cocky and a lot more arrogant and I just sort of swung in and said do this do this do this call me and then we'll do this this and this as opposed to what I've learned and matured is that people are scared and people are they're they're worried Um, They, even if it's in a preventative context, they're concerned about something that's there. So for me, it is this ability to look at someone and it is as much about the current situation in front of them, but it's also their hopes and dreams and their company and their career and their personal reputations to be sensitive to that.
0: What a good way to end a fantastic podcast. Bill Coletti, you've been a star today. So many great takeaways, content rich uh, and very, very articulately put. So thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today.
1: Well, Sandra, thank you very much. And as I mentioned at the top, thank you for what you do. Your podcast is great. You have such a wide perspective um, uh, of guests that, that share a lot of great things. So thank you for what you do. I know this is not easy. So thank you.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you, Bill Coletti. So thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. Wasn't Bill Coletti absolutely terrific? Each week, we've got a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Please make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media, Sandro's Podcast. Please don't forget, same on all channels. And if you want to email us with a question, hello at sandrospodcast.com, please remember those two other things to connect with me, Sandro Forte. It's the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. And please leave those reviews on iTunes because we are really keen to know what kind of guests you'd in the future. So looking forward to having you with us this time next week. Bye for now.